Welcome to another inspiring message from John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Let's give God some glory. We're going to Joshua chapter 1 this evening. The book of Joshua chapter 1, my favourite book in all the Bible. I love this book and uh, in this next season, this next decade of Arise Church, I want to begin talking again from this book and I'm going to do it again firstly tonight and again, I did it this morning. It might have a a pause for a few weeks, who knows, just turn up next Sunday and you'll find out. And we're going to spend some more time in this book this year because I believe that God has called our church, Arise Church, to be a Jordan crossing, promised land possessing group of people who will defy every obstacle, every boundary, every limit that has ever been spoken over God's church and do something amazing for Jesus. And if you believe that that might be possible in this church, then shout yes. Yes. Joshua chapter one, and let's begin reading in verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates or the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now come down with me this evening to verse 10 and we'll read out two more verses. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through all the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Get your provisions ready. This is an amazing moment as a new leader, Joshua, is becoming the point man for what God is planning to do in his generation. This young unproven and new leader chose as the first four words, his introduction commandment, the first order he ever gave was get your provisions ready. When I read those four words on holiday, I was arrested by the fact that those were chosen by Joshua as the first commandment he ever gave. The first instruction that ever left his mouth was get your provisions ready ready. I shared a story this morning that I want to share with you again, just in brief, and then we're moving on to some new context, but it helps to paint the scene of my foray into the land of Lycra. In the last year or so, I have become a road cyclist. I have the suit, the Lycra suit, tied up top, tied down the bottom. In fact, they shouldn't call it Lycra, they should call it an honesty suit, because the moment you put it on, there is no lying. You can tell your friends that you've trimmed up. You can tell your wife that you've been faithful and not eaten any biscuits when she hasn't been looking. But the moment you put the lycra on, the honesty comes out. Nothing is hidden and all will be revealed. In fact, becoming a road cyclist is like an early visit to Judgment Day. Everything is revealed and all will be put on display. What you ate in private is shouted from the mountaintops. You've got to understand that your pastor is actually a nerd. I try and dress up in a way that perhaps does not look so nerd-like. 
But I spent my adolescent life, particularly from the day I found Jesus at the age of 18, all the way through my 20s, really not doing anything that people should do that's cool. I pretty much just devoted my life to pursuing what God had for me and studying His Word. I missed all of the things that young adults are supposed to do, learning to surf, learning to play rugby. I played twice, got knocked out both times. Uh, you know, learning how to, to fish. I never learned to fish. I've never done it. In fact, Sam Smith is going to be my mentor. I mentor him in a lot of stuff, by the way, but he's going to mentor me in how to catch a fish because my six-year-old son is demanding that I become a fisherman. I'm essentially just a one-talent guy, which means that in my closing, the closing hours of my 30 years, I'm forced to learn all these things that people learn in their adolescent life. And so I decided to take up cycling. I had to get the office somehow. It's 26 kilometers to the office. And so I decided to take up cycling, which was for me incredibly difficult because I had to learn how to do all of the stuff. I mean, firstly, you gotta wear that suit. Then you gotta put on your helmet. Then you gotta learn how to stay in a bicycle with shoes that are clipped into the pedals. How stupid is that? It's very embarrassing when you're going along the keys down the waterfront on your way home and you stop at a set of lights, trying to unclip your pedal and all the other cyclists around you just do it like they're just, I don't know, just clipping out of a, just stepping like that. And here am I kind of, you know, like, like this. And then suddenly your bike comes to a complete stop and there's oncoming traffic. And then you kind of, you know, a little dove to the side. It's incredibly embarrassing. So much to learn. The problem with cycling though, is that when you're bad at it, 45 minutes is a good workout, but the fitter you get, the more of your life it asks of you. So a one hour ride becomes a two hour ride. A two hour ride becomes a commitment to ride around Lake Taupo. I don't know how on earth I committed myself to that, but there we go. So out we go to ride around Lake Taupo. Now, the problem with that is that I'm pretty busy. So most people would train 130 kilometres, you know, in the build-up, it's 160 kilometres to ride around Lake Taupo. My longest ride, according to my, uh, you know, cycling application that I use on my iPhone, my longest ride before Lake Taupo was about 80, 80 something kilometres. And so it was twice the distance that I'd ever ridden before. So I've got questions. My first question is if I'm gonna drink two litres of water, and have something of a plastic bladder, how am I gonna make it all the way around Lake Taupo without the need for a little visit to the lavatory? I mean, what do you do? It's a, it's a pretty fair question, don't you agree? The second question is what do you eat? Because if you're gonna spend six hours in a cycle, you know, saddle, and there's not much to it, but you know, if you're gonna be in that small thing they call a seat on a road bike for six hours, what do you eat? Because I'm not going, you know, so then I discover that, you know, I'm asking questions and I discover what you need. And turns out there are these things called gel packs, which are just amazing, by the way. If you're ever feeling lackluster one morning, just go to a cycling shop. Don't do this. You teenagers have got enough. You got enough energy drinks as it is. But, you know, here we turn up and you got these little gel packs and they're basically just glucose and caffeine. Magic. You know, you can pop one of those babies and boo, you're like... I believe I can fly, spread my wings and touch the sky. I mean, it's just amazing. They told me that if you wanna make it around Lake Taupo and kinda just limp around, then have one every hour. But if you wanna fly around it, have one every 45 minutes. Guess which option I chose for? 45 minutes. By the end of my time around Taupo, I'd have seven of these suckers. I get to the end and Jillian's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm great, I'm awesome. 
This is it's fantastic. Found out about Red Bull. Anybody want a Red Bull? I mean, I am just, I'm ready to go. So, you know, I got all this stuff. And when I went to leave for Lake Taupo to ride around it, I've got seven of these packs. I've got three one square meals. I've got a bottle of Powerade and the spare tire and everything that I need. And my back was like straight down and then poof, like I had some kind of padding on the rear. But anyway, it was something that I'd never done before. A distance I'd never achieved before. Somewhere I'd never been before. And I had to get my provisions ready. Joshua has just become the leader of the greatest move of God the world has ever seen. The Israelites leaving the wilderness and literally taking over the land that is now called Israel. An amazing moment, an incredible movement of God on earth. And His first instruction, His first order straight out the gate is get your provisions ready. This must have sounded weird to a generation of Israelites who had lived with the constant supply of manna every morning and quail every evening for the last 40 years provided for by God. And along comes a new leader who says, hang on a minute, where we're going is gonna be different to what you're living in right now. And if you wanna enter beyond where you're at right now and go into the promised land, you can't just sit on your backside and wait for the manna to be there tomorrow. You gotta make provision, get the food supplies, get the water supplies, get what you need, get your provisions ready. See church, I believe that it is the will of God for His people that we would not remain any day, any moment, any year of our lives in exactly the same position. He has us on this planet to prepare us for the next life. And as long as we're in this life, He wants us to be moving forward, taking new ground, expanding, increasing. The Bible says that the way of the righteous winds ever upward. It does not say that the way of the righteous remains where they are. And if you and I are gonna push forward, come on. We're gonna break some boundaries. We're gonna go where we've never been before. We're gonna achieve what we've never achieved before. If God's got a plan for you and I to do that, He expects us to have a commitment to reach into the beyond. Joshua is saying, guys, if you read on, in three days time, we're leaving this wilderness behind us. We're crossing the river that's in front of us and we're entering into somewhere new. He's saying, we are going somewhere new. We are pressing on to a higher level. God wants you to know about your life, about this year, about whatever you're looking at that is in front of you that 2012 may have been one way, the last season of your life may have been one way, but you are about to go somewhere that you've never been before, achieve something that you've never achieved before, experience greater blessing than you've ever had before. Come on, if you believe it, then shout today. God's got a plan for His people that we would possess His promises. And Joshua was leading God's people in to what God had for them. It's 40 years in the wilderness. And he's saying, guys, in three days, where we're gonna be living in no way resembles where we're at right now. And church, this is a challenge for every person here in this message tonight. It's literally saying to you and to me that where God wants to take us is not like where we are right now. 40 years of constancy and familiarity were about to be erased as they stepped into something entirely new. 
For us in our church, we've just completed 10 years, one decade. We're declaring over Rise that this next 10 years is not a continuation of what we had, but that we're believing for something new. We started the last 10 years with a dream in the infancy, in those, those opening moments of 2003, believing that we could build a church that would defy what had been said about Wellington, that the church will remain small, that it'll never break through, that you can't build a mega church in Wellington. And 10 years later, we meet tonight on the you know, closing night of the school holidays. School starts tomorrow. There's ground floor basically full as we're stepping into the new thing that God's got. Balcony half-packed, largest service for, I don't know, eight months in Capity this morning. Big service here. God on the move, thousands of people finding Jesus. And we have defied those boundaries. And we now look at the next 10 years of Arise, not saying, well, clap, clap, we've done well, let's camp where we are. But say, man, if that's our testimony, then the future is our promise. And we gotta believe for something greater in the days that are coming. Come on, if you believe it, shout yes tonight. The last 10 was believing that we could build a church that would defy boundaries. The next 10 is believing that we can build a church that will impact an entire nation for Jesus Christ. Come on, who says we can't do it? Start 10 more campuses in the next 10 years. Reach every segment of this nation, from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South. Be part of reaching a nation for Jesus. Changing statistics. Seeing Christianity flourish and abound. Seeing people find hope and life and faith in Jesus Christ. Come on. That there's a reason for them living. That there is a hope for their marriage. A purpose for their existence. A better alternative to a night on the town. There is a genuine source of love and it's not in the arms of a stranger. We're believing that the church can touch everybody everywhere. And as we step into that, we're believing for something greater. We are going somewhere new. Maybe not in three days time, but every day, we wanna believe that as a church, that we're stepping across the Jordan. When I was on holiday, God said to me, it's another Jordan crossing. That Israel crossed the Jordan when they left Egypt, crossed the Jordan when they went into the promised land. Jesus crossed the Jordan when He went from heaven through a virgin girl into this world. Crossed the Jordan when He went from carpentry into ministry. Crossed another Jordan when He went through the grave into eternal life. In your life, you can have more than one Jordan crossing. And God said to me, Arise is crossing another Jordan in 2013. We're stepping out into the beyond. As we step out into the beyond, it's very easy to think about your life and to think about the fact that it's just a continuation of what you've already had. But Joshua is saying, hang on, wake up. Realise what's going on, smell the coffee. If you're gonna go somewhere that you've never been before, then you need to get your provisions ready. I believe that this is a season where God's saying over many people in our church, get your provisions ready. That He wants you to have more influence in your high school teenagers than you've ever had before. I'm so excited to hear stories like a, a girl who was at Elevate Camp, who just came to the camp shy, decided that, you know, had a massive encounter with God, went back to a school and last week, out of the blue, put in her name to be the house captain of her high school. Got it, then another girl from Arise was made deputy house captain. Another girl made deputy house captain in another house within the school. And three young girls decided we're going where we've never been before. Come on, God is on the move. It's a new day. 
It's a new season. And as we step forward into something new, We've got to decide whether we're believing for our business to flourish, whether we're believing for our marriage to change, whether we're believing for our, our lives to move from debt to abundance, whether we're believing to pass some exams, improve our physical health, whatever it is, God's saying to us, we have to get our provisions ready. You don't prepare for what you're not moving into. So the first thing that we've got to do is just know that there is more, that it is possible for the Israelites We're inspired by their journey. That sure enough, as Joshua promised, three days later, they went from the barren desert wilderness to the fertile soil of the most choice piece of real estate in the Middle East. That they did it, they crossed over. And every person in this room, God's saying to you, you are gonna step into something new. Your life is going to be better. You should say amen to that, you really should. And as we're stepping forward into that, my friends, we have to get our provisions ready. We have to make sure that we get our emotional provisions ready. You know, if we're gonna move forward into something new in God, we better make sure that we're not carrying emotional baggage. It's gonna hold us back. We've gotta make a choice to let go of our hurts, our resentment, our mistrust, our fears, our doubts, all the stuff that clouds the soul of a person and keeps us bound to where we are right now. It's very easy to say, I'm gonna move into something new, but God doesn't want it to just be a, a foray, an excursion. He doesn't want you just to check out something new and then find yourself unable to sustain it and recoil back to put yourself out there, find us something new, move into something greater, I don't know what it is, finding a spouse, believing to make an impact, stepping out in your school, your workplace or your university. Could be improving something about your life, changing a marriage or, or a relationship. But if we're carrying the wrong things, if we haven't dealt with what's going on emotionally in our lives, we make an excursion and then we fail and we come back. And God's saying, no, you gotta move forward. Don't just, don't just decide to go out there into the promised land and then discover that you don't have what it takes to sustain you there. He says, if you're gonna move forward into the promised land, then move forward there with the provisions that you need to live there. And if we're gonna live in the promises of God emotionally, then we've gotta let go of the things that will hold us emotionally back from being able to sustain what God's gonna do. We need to, we need to make sure, for, for instance, in Arise Church, we always say, we will not marry somebody, our pastors will not take a wedding, for people who have not done pre-marriage counseling. Because at the end of the day, it's so, much, it's so painful as a pastor to marry somebody who hadn't got their provisions ready emotionally for the new marriage that they're stepping into. And then you've got to fix a lot of stuff that would have been so much easier before they inflicted the pain on one another if they just went through the right process before they stepped into the new deal. Second thing, spiritually, we're gonna make sure we get our provisions ready. Man, everything is about what we've got of God in our lives. If we're gonna move forward into a new season as people this year, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna really step out, then we need to get our provisions ready spiritually. I'm in a place where I'm saying, Jesus, I need more of You. I wanna go somewhere new with my life. You haven't finished with me yet. 
And I'm praying, God, give me more fire for You. Give me a greater desire for You. Speak to me from Your Word. I'm up early, I'm seeking Him. I want His Word alive in my life. That's why I bought a new Bible for a new year. I'm believing for something greater of this to impact me in here. I'm not reading it to feed you. I'm reading it to change me. Because if I haven't got a bigger Jesus, then I'm not gonna take this church forward into the bigger thing that God's got for it. Come on, we need to be spiritually getting our provisions ready. I remember when I was a young preacher. I mean, I was crazy. I used to get up at four in the morning and pray for two hours. Then I used to read my Bible for two hours. I must admit, part of it was actually just trying to please God with how spiritual I was. It wasn't genuine. It was actually just pharisaical religion. But a lot of it was just a full-on passion for Jesus. And man, I was feeding myself and filling myself up and, you know, learning about God and learning about prayer and learning about the presence of Jesus and His ability to move. Then someone gave me a shot to preach. You've probably seen it. In fact, you know, I've seen it in some of our young guys here. But, you know, you've got about 30 sermons and you've got one 10-minute slot. So it's not like, you know, well, here's my thing to say to you tonight, and here it is, and thank you very much. Back then, I mean, I, I, I spoke at the opening of a, a building for Paul Young on Friday night, amazing privilege. Just got up there, she had one simple thought, got off, because I, now I preach all the time. I know that that's all that people can take in. But when you're 19, and you get a microphone put in your hand, and a group of people that have to listen to you, and you've been studying for months to get something, I mean, I had my provisions ready, and it was not, it was not like, here it is. It was like, do, 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 and by the end of it, everybody got something, but nobody got anything. You know what I'm talking about? But man, you know what? That guy, that girl, that person who's got that inside of them is in a much better place than the one who doesn't. I'd rather sit under the machine gun than try and get the person who's got nothing from God. We've got to make sure that we're feeding our spirit. Don't make any mistake about it. Doesn't matter what you're doing with your life, your connection to Jesus is more important than any other pursuit. Get your provisions ready. Number three, you need to get your, get your physical provisions ready. Write this down. Young people, every young person, write this down. S-L-E-E-P. You, you need to make sure that we're ready physically. Sleep. It's not a swear word. I did a Q&A with our interns last year that made me worried. One of them asked the question and said, how do you survive on five hours sleep a night? My answer to them was pretty obvious. I don't. Nobody does. You survive on five hours sleep a night. You don't, you don't thrive on five hours sleep a night. I sleep a lot more than that. I sleep any moment that I can, ask Jillian. If we're on a plane flight, and it's A, B, C, D, and A, B, C is on one side of the row and D is on the other side of the row, I'm always shooting for D because then she can look after the kids and I can fall asleep. I sleep every moment I can get. Physically, you know, I mean, this is why I decided to cycle because I have to get in the office somehow, have to get home somehow. I tell John and Laura to not ask me whether I need a ride home because I often say yes and I shouldn't. So I cycle 26 kilometers in, 26 kilometers out, about to turn 40 and your body can spiral down after that. And I've made a decision that I'm not gonna rest in what, God's got so much more for His church. And it's worthy of a leader that's gonna be in a place where they can drive it forward. I'm the fittest I've been, I think, since I was in my mid-20s. I'm ready to go. 
And I believe that God wants us all to be ready. He's saying, get your provisions ready. Everything we're living in where we're just drawing out is sustaining what you've already done. But God doesn't want you just drawing out of what you've already got. He's saying, no, stockpile. Think about the end. He gets ready, makes His provisions, and then He keeps flourishing in every storm and difficulty. And God's saying, I've got more for you. But whether it's gonna be an excursion or new ground that you take, it's gonna come back to your decision to get your provisions ready. When, when, when I did that ride around Lake Taupo, I really did not know what I was doing. I mean, really, I did not. I mean, I asked a lot of questions. I tried to find out. Well, I'll never forget, we, we, we hired a house. A bunch of riders from the church hired a house and I took the whole family because I wanted the kids to see me do this thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's a miracle I'm doing this. So you kids are gonna watch it. So, so we go up there, you know, and, we, and my son's disappointed because he thought I was gonna win. I'm pretty sure that the winner crossed the finish line when I was crossing the halfway line. And I'm like, son, I'm competing against myself. He's like, you know, that's, that doesn't wash with a six-year-old boy. You know, you, you're the winner or you're the loser. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, we took them up there and, you know, we get to the house and I have McDonald's in uh, some t- bulls and bulls, good old McDonald's and bulls on the way up to Taupo. We get there and I get my bike all ready and then I'm like, man, I better go to sleep. So I'm getting ready for bed, putting on my PJs and Jillian is upstairs with everybody else. She comes back down and she says, honey, have you eaten enough? I'm like, I'm full, thank you, but I feel great. She says, no, 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 for the race tomorrow, have you eaten enough? And I'm like, I don't know, have I eaten enough? She says, well, I've just been upstairs. They're all eating pasta. They're all carbo-loading. Apparently you need lots of carbohydrates to do the race tomorrow. So I kind of wander up there nonchalant, you know, like not a care in the world. And sure enough, they're chowing down on all this pasta. I'm like, hey, any pasta left? Oh no, sorry. You know, so I grabbed a leftover banana and I ate that. Went to bed so worried that I hadn't eaten enough for the race that was coming the next day. You have to get your provisions ready. Fortunes favor the prepared. God's literally saying to us, get your provisions ready. Be ready for the new thing. Be prepared for what God's got. Dig a deeper well. Make your commitment to get in the right place for what God is about to do. Joshua is literally trying to communicate to the Israelites that two things about their relationship with God are about to radically alter. The first one, is what God did for them was about to change. Have you ever thought about the fact that what God did for you yesterday, He might not do it tomorrow? Not because He doesn't love you, but because He wants you to grow up. And the Israelites are here, and they've lived for the last 40 years on God's great welfare system. And Joshua is saying to them, after four generations, four decades of the, you know, living off welfare, God's saying to them, now you've got to get your provisions ready. Have you ever thought about what they must have meant for them? What it required for them? But he's literally saying, what, I've, what God did for you yesterday, He's not going to do with, for you tomorrow. And there are moments in our lives where God is literally has to wean us off Him. It's scary, isn't it? But the end of God's provision was the beginning of their blessing. See, the promised land was where they got blessed, where they abounded 
where something amazing happened, where they had their own flocks and herds. And sometimes God shuts off the supply in order to bring us into increased blessing. And we shouldn't expect that God's always gonna feed us hand to mouth. He wants us to move in the next level of faith. Just right when they felt that God was leaving them was right when God was planning to bless them. And it's the same with us. We think God's left us alone and doesn't know our name. No, no, no. Just realise that God's saying to you, get your provisions ready because I'm about to bless you like you've never been blessed before. It's getting better, not worse. The second thing that was about to radically change in their relationship with God was that what God was requiring of them was about to change. God asks more of you sometimes different things of you sometimes. What He told you to do yesterday doesn't mean He's gonna have you living with that for the rest of your life. Because God actually did say to the Israelites, don't keep any food until tomorrow, the manna. They couldn't keep any manna until the next day. If they did, bread became maggots, which is amazing because your food one day is rotting, your, your bread, your, 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 your grain food one day is rotting flesh the next day. That's a powerful lesson right there. But we don't have time for it, but enough to say that God was teaching them to trust Him. Their faith challenge, their faith lesson was to trust God. And then along comes Joshua, a new generation, a new season, a, 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 a decision to enter into the promised land And Joshua's opening line is get your provisions ready. One guy says, you can't keep anything until tomorrow. In other words, no provisions for the next day. The next leader is saying, you need provisions. And both were representing God. One generation had to learn to trust God. The next generation had to learn to take steps for God. And man, it's gotta begin with trust. But God doesn't want us just living, just trusting Him. He wants us living, taking steps for Him. Glorifying Him by getting enough resources, getting our provisions ready, and then living a life of continual advancement into His plan. That's what He wants. Knowing where God's gonna take you in your life, The first thing you need to know about it, and there are four, four things you need to realise about what it's gonna look like to go forward into what God's got. First thing is that you will feel unqualified for where God is taking you. You will feel unqualified. If you're sitting in this room tonight, think about leading a life group this year, are leading a life group this year, stepping into something new, opening up an opportunity of leadership, God's giving you favour and whatever, and you are sitting there going, I am totally unqualified for what I am about to do, then you are in a good company tonight. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You, every time God moves in your life, you will always feel unqualified. But know right there that God's awakening. See, what happens to you is that God, the way God moves in our lives is He gives us a taste for what we aren't ready for yet. And the moment we get that taste, Ray would tell you this, the moment you get that taste of what you really aren't, up for yet, you get an insatiable passion to learn, to grow, to get your provisions ready because you know that God is taking you into something more. And that's why Joshua is saying, guys, can you grasp it that you're not gonna live in a wilderness your whole life? God's got a promise for you. 
And man, you might feel unqualified for it, but get your provisions ready because whether you feel up to it or not, God's about to do it in our generation. The second thing that's gonna happen is if you're stepping into what God's got for you, you'll think that God has the wrong person. You will. If you're pressing forward into what God's got for you, there are gonna be many moments when you're like, God, you picked the wrong guy. Check the Bible out. Moses told God he had the wrong guy. Gideon told God he had the wrong guy. Jeremiah told God he had the wrong guy. In fact, it's kind of like there's a constancy in God's selection process where the people He chooses try to refute God. I think God knows best. And in our lives, there are many moments where we think God has picked the wrong guy. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the Israelites when Joshua says to them, get your provisions ready. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, okay, you need, you need food supply. Hang on a minute. For the last 40 years, we have never had a store of food. What do we know about food storage? What do we know about the preservation of meat so that it lasts beyond a single calendar day? No refrigerators, no deep freezers. How do we, what do we know about that? Because God told us never keep anything until tomorrow. And their pushback would have been, you've got the wrong guy. And God's saying to them, no, I've got the right person, but you're gonna have to learn a whole lot more. You're gonna have to get provision of a whole lot of stuff because I'm taking you places where you've never been, but you're my guy and you're my girl. And there are people all over this room who need to know one thing tonight. God got the right girl and the right guy when He chose you. He did. And now He's taken us forward into something new. Taking us higher than we've ever been. So get your provisions ready. Number three, I gotta wind this up. If it's, if it's something that God's taking you into, it will appear both big and new. And you look at it going, man, that is massive and I am totally disqualified for it. But that's what God does in our lives. Never look, no, look past the fact that God could be giving you something that you never dreamed you could get. It's His will to confound our expectations. These 12 spies, 10 of them so angered God that they died. God's saying to them, hang on a minute. These 12 spies were sent to check out the promised land and 10 said, it's so big and it's so new, it's not for us. And God's saying, you cannot think that way. And somebody in this room needs to know that living small, thinking small, living in the old is not what God wants. Don't anger Him. Live a life of progress and a life of advancement and a life that feels like you can do it. You'll give glory to God when you agree with Him that you are well able, qualified, called the right person and able to do what He's called you to do. Number four, the fourth thing, and I'll finish with this, the band can come and join me. It's when you're moving into what God's got for you, it will make you long for home. Isn't it an amazing paradox that the promised land was their home, but they felt like the wilderness was. And there are moments in your life where you're stepping right forward into what God's got for you and you need a provision. You need to build up a provision. This very night, some Christian in this room has got to build up their fortitude, their commitment, their resolve that when they're stepping forward into what God's got for them, they will have a, a, a supply, a provision in their life of resolve that I will live long enough in what God has got 
that I will feel like what God has for me is home and not this wilderness that I have been living in. I'll never forget moving to Wellington. Jillian and I arrived here. I lived in Auckland my whole life, 30 years in Auckland. Arrived here, this city was my home. Had a house we were living in, a church that we'd pioneered. Yet every street was foreign, every corner was confusing, every one-way road made me feel like I had no idea where I was. Laps around Willis Street, you know, trying to figure this place out, everything up, down, down Dale. I got lost in Brooklyn, got lost in Crofton Downs, got lost in this place, lost in that place. Mangaraki, where the heck? Went, tried to get to Wainui Yamada, end up on some back hill out in Upper Hut. Some guy told me, go up that way, you'll get to Wainui. I got lost in the dirt track in the middle of nowhere. Then I, about four months in, I went back to a conference in Auckland. I knew every street, every corner, every, cor- every crevice, every nook. I didn't need a GPS so I could tell you how to get to anywhere in that city. But it was no longer my home. And I had to get a provision in my life to say, I will live where God wants me to live until it becomes my home. So glad I made that decision. What a defining decision. Think about the heart, all, all the people who are now just such key leaders in the life of our church found Jesus for the very first time in our church. And I've got a commitment that every single bay of that balcony will be filled with people who find Jesus Christ, that we would progress forward and see a city won and a nation impacted. Lives come alive, dreams reborn, promises kindled, hope for the hopeless, freedom for the captive. Come on, that Jesus is the answer, the reason, the one that we worship. Come on, if you believe that God's taking us into somewhere new, then why don't you stand to your feet tonight and begin to give Jesus that praise. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Allen Cameron and at Arise Church.